Hi, this is Cliff Kriego for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. As you can probably hear, uh, I'm back down at Heartbreak Meadow, happily. It's a wonderful place to be this time of year. So in the spirit of placing ourselves in natural space and time, it's about, let's see here, almost 11 o'clock in tea, natural time. And I think the rest of uh, Oregon and the surrounding area has fallen back, clicked in, as they say, to uh, natural time. That could almost be part of our theme. And it's the 4th of uh, November, a waning uh, moon just coming out of uh, full moon last uh, weekend. And probably a good 5 or 6 degrees centigrade uh, uh, above climate average. So it's warm. And I'm walking through entirely brown, dried out, extremely weedy vegetation. If an alpine farmer would come in here and see all the sulfur sink foil, uh, they not only would be shocked, but they'd say, how did this happen? <laughs> it's native to the Alps at altitude. and. Um, you might have one plant in a native uh, hay meadow with hundreds of species, just one plant. Here there are thousands of them. But the larches are just beginning. Those are tamaracks, larix, uh, occidentalis. Um, they're right about at their peak uh, golden perhaps going down slightly in the radiance of the uh, brilliant, what shall we call that, auburn, auburn yellow-orange. It's happily exactly the same color of my slightly weathered new MSR um, fury tint that they don't make anymore, but I collect them, keep it secret. Well, let's see, it's 4th of November 11, natural time. And the title of this dialogue tape, yes, I've been rehearsing, uh, the title is um, How to Tell Whether a Democracy is Alive or Dead. So we're all going to make believe, that's a good thing, uh, make believe, like we're playing with kids, um, that were doctors. And we have a, you know, like they always, we got white coats on. I always wanted to have one of those white coats in a stethoscope. Uh, I kind of wanted to have one of those too, although it kind of horrifies me. There are certain things that even as a musician uh, that I don't want to hear. <laughs> um, but we have our stethoscope on and uh, um, so we're going to dialogue. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just entirely improvising. Yeah, something's been digging around here. Boy, there are badgers uh, 
moving in everywhere and I'm coming over here to our the snow berries another badger hole and they dig down and then they uh, they uh, for whatever reason decide to stop it's either too rocky or it doesn't whatever they're looking for or however they want to oh there's a magnificent arch against Oregon blue sky now if that doesn't feel fill one's heart with joy I don't know what would is a magnificent contrast. We have smoke coming in from somewhere. Um, the wind is very gentle from the south-southwest. So it's either coming up still from California or this time of year, uh, the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, that's public ground, and the Forest Service, also very public, um, they're slightly uh, independent and different, but they, the Forest Service does forest and the BLM does more the uh, semi-arid country, open treeless country. They do prescribed burns. So on cliffs, smoke index of zero, uh, perfectly uh, bluebird, uh, blue Oregon sky to 10 that you can't even see your feet or hands, they can get that bad. This is only a one, so it's a very hazy. But if you were making photographs, a landscape large, uh, you would put your camera away, not only because it's later in the day, but it just looks like you haven't cleaned your lenses in 10 years. So, how to tell whether a democracy is alive or dead. So we're walking by the small species of Symporicarpus, that's snowberry, and I always forget which one, Oreophilus or Montanum, I think this is the uh, Montanum, it's a small one, rhizomaceous, so the roots, they have underground roots there, it's really one organism. They've entirely, for the most part, have lost their leaves. And this is a very weedy meadow, so in between, there are just, it's like, uh, well, it depends on what you're used to. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, but there, here we have some uh, corn lilies. If you didn't know your uh, uh, native uh, invasives, uh, you wouldn't, what the heck is that? It's almost, uh, it's about one and a half meters, and it's lost all its leaves. And it's reducing itself entirely to Celsius, uh, uh, celluloid. Listen, I just broke it. You could burn that. In fact, I probably should start trying. Although it does have a uh, alkaloid that's very poisonous. I don't know what that would. So it has a piss. You couldn't quite make a food. But it's uh, super interesting. Here's a beautiful nettle patch. So, okay, let's stop and get to, be, get to work here. So let me sit down a second. Boy, that badger. You see, I, I, there are many things in the wilderness, in nature, that you don't see. It keeps the mind alive. Just like what we're going to be doing um, with how to tell whether democracy is alive or dead. And we have our white coats on and stethoscopes. 
And one of those little uh, high-tech, I don't use those, but it is an ingenious device that reads, reads the oxygenation of the uh, blood by just putting it on a finger. So that's very much uh, with the uh, corona pandemic in the news, uh, one of the symptoms that you're in bad shape when oxygen levels go down to low. So we have our three instruments. Now, so all we're going to measure, we're doing ancient Greek uh, science in the spirit of philosophia. Yeah, it's absolutely spectacular. So now I have a different view. That's why I was walking. So I'm looking out on our hawthorns here. They've lost a good 70, 80% of their leaves. And the leaves that remain that's a, sh a shrubby plant, and its ideal form is oval. And depending on where it grows, it can be almost three meters tall. So imagine a circle with billions and billions of little branches and true thorns that are extremely hard and sharp. So you have to be very careful when you're harvesting the... Uh, Fruits. Now it is in the, uh, no, it's, I could just go on and on about the Hawthorns, but we have a whole collection here in Heartbreak, and they're all named for, they're in spirit with us, the, the great uh, transcendentalist. So I'm looking right. Forgive me. Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the Hawthorne, Haw. It's a beautiful word, Haw, from the Proto-Indo-European. It's still very Germanic, Germanic, Hawthorne. That's where the root of Den Haag and The Hague, that doesn't sound like much of anything, right? That sounds like a NATO disaster about to happen, but Den Haag. Uh, like you say in Dutch, that's a different thing. So how to tell whether a democracy is alive or dead? There's Hawthorne, there's Emerson, there's Thoreau, there's Amos Bronson Alcott, there's the younger Ellery Channing, there's Margaret Fuller, there's Sarah Winnemucca, who came late into the group after not a true transcendentalist discovered by Elizabeth Peabody. Well, quite an assortment of spiritual force. So how to tell whether... So it is the fourth. Rumor has it that there was some election going on somewhere on the planet, but we're not concerned about that. Neither are we concerned about uh, the outcome. Um, and we're, everything we're doing up here is uh, without uh, legacy. So that goes in all directions, right? Without. Legacy is not relevant. So there are no constitutions to worry about, no past mistake. The spirit of Socrates is here, of course. And we're honoring and we're not worried about the future. 
this is not the most important election of all time. <laughs> so um, I'm laughing because the tendency is that uh, we're just tying ourselves up in knots spiritually. And this is a school here. So it's now time to do our infomercial. Let's lighten it up. And there are, this is a, uh, a little uh, ad that I, um, I put up different versions of it. And it's based on a real historical ad. And it's to start, start a new uh, community uh, school that's already started although I'm sitting here with the spiritual transcendentalist, admittedly uh, alone. <laughs> and uh, we're looking to find others to participate in the endeavor, the community, the school. It has a name a working title, like you say. It's uh, Kairos, a coming together in natural space and time at exactly the right moment, at exactly the right place, a convergence of creativity and energy. So do you want to hear the uh, infomercial? For people who do talking hands, talking feet, this is a very carefully composed seven times 16 step little miniature. Don't try to count them. I'm looking for volunteers for a new energy collective based on the ethics of nonviolence zero waste in dialogue will demonstrate to the world that a new way of being is possible. Once a school for the teachers of teachers in creative design is aligned with a revolution of thinking and consciousness. Low salary, long years of hard work guaranteed. Success uncertain. Open to all willing to give their undivided energy. So there you have it, seven times 16 steps for those who do music and talking hands, talking feet. And so now what did it say? Nonviolence, zero waste. That means we're going not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative right here, right now, not tomorrow. Everything we're doing up here is not based on these um, 
with all due respect, five-year plans, 2050 or whatever, that uh, Amsterdam will be. When is Amsterdam going to be underwater? Yeah, we're laughing because uh, there's a tremendously high-spirited, uh, high-frequency Oregon god-awful blue sky energy in the air. And I always think, what? where is everybody? The hunters are all gone, thank God. No climbers, no backpackers, no, no horse people. Not even anybody out for a walk. There's no sign of human beings. You know? So it's always kind of eerie, especially with the new climate where we have, it's almost as if the earth had slowed down in terms of the wind, they are slowing down 20% decline of the westerlies here. So that means coming out of the west, moving to the east. There are Chinook, low strata Chinook winds, very low altitude, so not much more than four or 5,000 meters, and they're spread out, and they're almost totally motionless. So how to tell whether a democracy is alive or dead? So let's get three vital signs, like uh, heartbeat, is it breathing, and oxygen levels. So I'm just improvising here, so help me. What are those going to be to follow our analogy? We'll use that as a map. Just three things we're going to throw out there in the dialogue. And obviously we've been deeply, 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 not just conditioned, but corrupted in our thoughts and thinking, in our map of democracy, whether it be anywhere, just totally intuitive, that I've never even gone to school, but I still know that I'm in a republic somehow, and I picked that up, I just breathed it in. And on television, well, I turn on the television, and they are always talking about it. And there are all these ads and people that want your what? Your vote. Now, the first thing I'd like to introduce, I'm just throwing this into the circle, so that means question it, don't accept it, is that uh, voting is very much further downstream. And this is one of the primary concerns of the people who actually first according to our tradition, 25, 26, 2700 years ago, in the city-state uh, of uh, Athens in Greece. I've never actually been there, but I've seen enough photos to want to be there. Um, it was a philosophical um, question, a problem. That's what uh, the great um, Politeia that's usually a Plato, where Socrates is talking. It's one of the most famous books of Plato. 
And it's usually translated as uh, what um, the Republic, but it's more the regime. And um, so they're not talking about what America, the United States, has become, or Holland or Switzerland. They're three very different democracies, or Greece itself. So, the heartbeat. Breath, oxygen, Well, I would, um, I'm just improvising. So the most crucial aspect of democracy is a much wider circle than how we normally are conditioned to think. And I would suggest that it has to do with truth and what I call truth and function. So I would say that's our key thing. If the heart ain't beating, something's not right. <laughs> and again, uh, we're laughing and having fun, but this is definitely serious. And uh, obviously why I'm doing this and what I'm suggesting is something is definitely wrong. And that's totally unnecessary from the view of this school, Kairos, what we're doing right here, right now. Now, that's got to be in the top three, too. So let's throw it out there. We have truth. We'll come back to that. Truth and function. Dialogue, not debate. Debate is important. That's right up there with voting. We associate, uh, like Americans think, in terms of this absolutely obscene map of the world. That, uh, like I say, the geometry of life, now we're going to make it smaller, the geometry of democracy is not two guns pointed at each other. It's not a shootout. Neither is it a game with winners and losers. You can make it that, obviously. That's what has happened here. That's why both of uh, the parties are laying, lying dead on the ground, in our view. So don't... There was an election, <laughs> and all of these, they go through the motions, and they talk, they talk about it for four years. <laughs> and the third one, it'll probably be our second, is uh, the eagle of freedom. So we have truth and function, eagle of freedom, and geometry of democracy, which we're saying is not two guns, that's debate. 
You see, that's in science crucially important. When you get to this lower level intellectual, uh, spiritual exercise, game, endeavor, that is really important, vitally important, but it's not the same as dialogue is vastly more difficult and more serious. Why? Because the geometry of dialogue is a circle. So that's kind of bringing us, in, bringing us into the spirit of dialogue. You see, the Greeks weren't the first one. The Native Americans had every different uh, area, had uh, different flourishings of a grassroots kind of Native democracy. And of course, you know, once you get into the geometry of life is a circle, and everything uh, sacred is round, you can kind of see that they knew something that we've entirely lost. So let's do it again. Truth and function. And again, our central image of that is tuning in an orchestra. That's all it is. You tune to a ground. And you demonstrate, without knowing what that ground is, you demonstrate the truth of it. That's why uh, being a doctor in medicine, medical science is so beautiful because it's very, in music, demonstration is everything. It's not your degrees. In North America, it's a little bit more like that. But go to Europe where they really do music and they're losing it. They need help too. That uh, um, if you can walk out there and play your Bach, well, that's it. They don't look what kind of, they don't look how old you are, what color your skin is, what language you speak, who you studied with. You simply perform. And if it ring true, well, that's all, nothing more need be said. You demonstrate the truth. That's why all of this stuff, well, how do you know what's, well, you don't know what's true. But you know what is false. So you tune up the strings of your cello or violin, your flute or trumpet. And then you walk out there and demonstrate it. Well, doctors do that too, and nurses, they do that too, don't they? If you go into the hospital and you come out dead, well, they didn't do much of a good job, did they? <laughs> like um, Western medical science, in my view, is absolutely brilliant with... Um, what do you call that? Uh, now I gotta think. Um, um, acute, like you break a leg, heaven forbid, or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't want to be any other place than a Swiss or American hospital, with a young surgeon just out of um, medical school. Let them put me back together. But if it's chronic, say you have diabetes, or you have allergies or you have depression, or any number of these uh, ailments more of culture and over-civilization, then Western medical science is, um, has a lot of many, many uh, deep uh, inconsistencies, contradictions, and problems. And there are reasons for that, but that's another dialogue circle. So we have truth and function. 
So nobody, we have this difference, and we've talked about this many times before, so I'll throw it out in the circle, is the difference between reality and truth. And there's a long tradition that you can read up on. The, the Buddhists are very good, Nagarjuna, and um, um, going right through Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, but the difference between a projected reality, that's what we're doing in thought and thinking, and the ground of truth. And why that's important is that the truth we're saying is unknowable, but that doesn't mean it's not there. And uh, then we add this additional thing that in the demonstration of truth, we're calling it, it's a movement, it's not a thing. So in reality, if I say, well, I'm the greatest president of all time, and <laughs> then we're gonna fact check that, right? <laughs> so you make all these statements that are either true or false, and in the present era, gee, well, uh, everybody's kind of fumbling. So how, how, how are we going to judge all this garbage? That's, it's noise. It's worse than noise. It's pollution. Noise is noisome. It's a good word. But pollution is deadly. Can be. So we don't want to be drinking and eating and imbibing spiritually pollution when that is called uh, true and good for us. So truth and function is always, it's not something you do once. That's why this has nothing to do with time. It's not the most important election of all time. Climate crisis will never be solved in time. So don't take my word for it. Why would I say something like that? Why would I say that? Well, all of a sudden the world kind of slows down. And I'm primarily concerned with truth. So I, I asked a friend the other day, which is the wider circle, democracy or truth? Now that's an interesting question So the wider circle is, in a sense, uh, more primary, more relevant, more important. That doesn't mean that it's given proper attention. Like, which is a wider circle that's obvious? Uh, weather or climate? So that's a temporal, spatial thing. So we're talking about the whole planet with climate, right? Nationality has nothing to do with it. But it can certainly uh, totally corrupt all of our attempts, not just to act, <laughs> which we're not doing individually or collectively, but to understand. So do you see, I hope, I'm trying to share the beauty of it, because uh, simplicity and this kind of serious, deadly serious. We're trying to judge whether democracy is dead or alive. So tune on your television, they'll be talking for weeks. Maybe they've even started a war somewhere. <laughs> that um, 
But the questions, the right questions, that's the whole point of it. The right questions are not being asked. And up here it's obvious. Because we have the privilege of a broader circle that comes at the price of simplicity and austerity. If you decide you can do without hydrocarbon man culture, commercial media, commercial food, and all the rest of it, well, you've given up, you've died to all of those things, and that's not, that's liberation. <laughs> it's not suffering, it's liberation. So, start over again. We have our three things, truth and function, that's our heartbeat. Our breathing is the ego of freedom, freedom to and freedom from. So let's explore that. The third one is dialogue. That's all we're going to, I suggest, uh, ponder. So we'll throw those out into the circle. And notice this is not a debate. There's no leader. There's no winners or losers. And the difference in the dialogue is that we have to ask and become aware of these really hard... Uh, nutshells, problems of our conditioning. Like organized religion. As soon as you have organized religion, there goes the dialogue. You can't have organized religion and dialogue. Why? Because you will tend to defend and, um, and hold on to your particular flavor of spirituality. So in order to enter, I'm, don't take my word for it, just think it through and watch it in yourself. If I hold on to whatever, being North American or English speaking or whatever, uh, everything else becomes uh, outside the circle. So in the circle of dialogue, we're all radically equal and brothers and sisters. And these large trees are there too, and they're listening in their way. These magnificent ponderosa pine are there. That flicker that was singing in the background and drumming. That Clark's Nutcracker. That um, corn lily we were just talking about. So that Simpori Carpum. The snowberry. The nettles behind me. This meadow. They're all there in that circle. Now that's liberating, but it's also difficult because um, um, myself included, we tend to hold on to our ways of doing things, habits, scenes, maps of the world or whatever. So truth and function, that's our heartbeat. So truth and function, ego freedom, dialogue, heartbeat, breath oxygen levels. And uh, pause, start over. So I'm suggesting that this circle of nature that I just refute, uh, re referred to, that has by and large 100% truth and function. It can't do otherwise. That everything that it, she, hit 
whatever, however you want to describe it, does, they are utterly naked and honest. And there's no holding on to untruth. It's not possible. For the simple reason of the radical nature, timeless nature, of natural intelligence and creativity, what we think of as evolution, which is a very much narrower circle. So if, it, if that nutcracker, ah, now is that a real red-tailed hawk? Or is that a, what I call an AK-47 Stellar's J? I don't know if you heard it. You see, just like a president, they've learned how to lie <laughs> and mimic very well um, predatory birds to scare whatever, songbirds. They're very good at it. Let's see. If it's going to come over and join our circle. So 100%, so it's just a way of talking that everything that nature does is true, is grounded in truth. And we're that way too, but only kind of, because we have this... Um, instrument of thought that um, we uh, misuse that will lead us to think that the projected reality, like if turn on the television and watch the election, that's entirely a projected reality that thinks that all there is. And over the years, over the decades, the centuries, the millennia, Humankind, depending on the culture, there, there he is again. So we have uh, two uh, theories about that sound we just heard. Aristotle used to say it's a mark of an educated mind to have two contradictories, contradictory theories in mind at the same time. That's classic debate rhetoric. That's a very good exercise. And then you let them compete, joust with each other. And sooner or later, you'll figure out which one is true. But that's only relative truth. That's not truth and function. It's related. So, there he is again. But I don't see any. So when we turn on the television, I would suggest what we're seeing is the other way around. Zero truth and function. So that means for our patient, the heart isn't beating. Uh oh <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, you have to laugh to keep your spirits up. <laughs> because it is, if you're up here and you turn on, say we have this big... Uh, like they're doing now, even in Germany, I think, that because of corona, that um, you go to a drive-in. They've never had drive-ins before. I grew up with that sort of thing and hated it even when I was a kid. But you put the speaker in your car and everybody's watching the same movie, so you're kind of alone together. And we're all watching this big widescreen and now it's CNN, or there's Fox, or whatever, there's PBS. And they're projecting 
this uh, image of the world. No, that's an AK-47. That's an AK-47. You see, now that's its true call. You hear that raucous sound, it's a corvid, a crow-like bird. So it's laughing at us now. And the clouds were getting high. Uh, oh, it's getting very close now. That's almost insultful. Okay, they can be uh, just as bad as camp robbers, stealing shiny equipment. But anyway, so I'm suggesting North American uh, democracy is in serious uh, trouble, regardless of what happened yesterday. So we're totally unconcerned about what happened yesterday, because it was dead, and this is a, a view, it was dead years ago. And what we have now is some very perverse, sick, self-destructive theater that if you step back from it, becomes obvious. From a different countries in the past, if you were just in Europe, you could see what was going on and, oh, good God, how can they be so stupid? But once you get into it and then start to drink the Kool-Aid of watching uh, these um, cable uh, channels that are 24-7 throwing corrupt views of the world at you. And at a certain point, if you repeat it uh, long enough, if you repeat that this is the most important election of all time, if you keep on saying that over and over and over and over again, you'll start to think it's true. Well, maybe it is true. What does it mean to that Stellar's Jay? Nothing. But in the longer term, it means a lot. Because that we're stuck in this corrupt idea of democracy. The only touchstone we have for democracy, again, the um, controlling formative uh, metaphor is uh, democracy the geometry then the, uh, is a uh, fight. It's two guns pointed at each other. Winners or losers, red or blue. At best, like a football game. At worst, a shootout on the street. And it's degenerated to the point that there are no rules anymore. That uh, it's the lowest of the low, the cruddiest of the crud, the most insultful of the insultful. They used to be totally beyond the pale, that means you would be excommunicated from the norms of civilization, high of uh, society, if you behave that way. In ancient Greece, you would be ostracized, told to leave politely, and come back in 10 years. Well, we've degenerated to the point that it goes on 24-7. That's our ego of freedom. That'll come up next. It goes on 24-7. And it's only about paying off lawyers, porn stars, sexual corruptions, assaults, accusations of rape. It, it is a talk about um, pollution. You wouldn't want to take a young person there, would you? <laughs> 
And yet that goes on 24-7, every single day of the year. And then the geometry of two guns, once I shoot the other one dead, metaphorically or actually, heaven forbid, based on the ethics, that's our little infomercial, based on the ethics of nonviolence, zero waste, and dialogue. Doesn't that sound like something to be proud of, to work for? But if I say, well, yeah, I'm, I want to get this politician elected, and my whole life becomes consumed by that. So I give all my energy to that. And then I see after 10 years of struggle, I'm not saying you, whether you should or shouldn't do that. That's its AK-47. That tempo is unmistakable. I can't see him. Now that's very close to a nutcracker. You see, they're in the same family as nutcrackers. That's a way of putting the birds together. So our truth and function is zero. Zero heartbeat, dead. Now, we have the possibility of resuscitation, we say. And uh, so we're going to get the thing, the, the beast, uh, alive again. That's what this uh, Kairos, the school, is about. We're learning how to do that. Because without democracy, there's no dialogue. The, the, the geometry of dialogue in democracy, we're saying, is a circle. So we're all seated on the ground. The circle is such a beautiful form because there are no differences. We're all one. It's the image of living water and living sound. That circle radiating out without limit into space and time until it reaches a resonance with the ground of all, which is somehow beyond that. So there's our truth and function. So now that's what we're doing. We're tuning up our map of democracy. We're saying, hey, uh, so let's say we have, uh, we're studying worldwide what people have made of democracy. So now we're down under in Australia. And I'm sure many of our uh, long-time listeners know, because I've talked about this before, that um, you have uh, universal uh, voting there. Americans would call it compulsory. Everyone is required to vote. And if you don't vote, you get like a traffic ticket, if I understand it correctly. And I think that's a very good um, uh, thing. So I would, uh, on our list of cleaning up the corruption. So we got the patient, the, the, the heart is beating weakly, but uh, we got it back so there's a chance of survival. That would be one of the things to do. But at the top of the ballot, simplicity is of the essence. And notice here that the corruption is pandemic. And it's been going on since the beginning of American democracy. If you read the Tocqueville, 
1833, American Democracy, one of the greatest uh, uh, works philosophically in um, the sociology economy of democracy, written by Alix de Tocqueville, a Frenchman. He had a companion, I can't remember his name. But there, that's a timeless work in a way. And wanting to understand that. So this has been going on for a long time. And the possibility of corruption, well, that's, you. everything can become corrupted, including that sound we were just talking about, or that water we were just talking about. That's a natural tendency, right? But also... Uh, purification. So what would keep us from purifying spiritually, physically, economically, politically, in every other sense, democracy? Well, obviously, um, that we are holding on to the past um, and the perks of corruption, money or position, prestige, power, uh, say I'm uh, uh, some sort of... Uh, um, what I would call a cult uh, philosophy, like any flavor of Christianity, or it could be Buddhism, or any religion that has a name in the dialogue circle, we're all naked, so you're not allowed to come in to the space with the um, cloak of Buddhism or Catholicism or whatever-ism. We're all naked, and that's why it's so difficult. And you could say, well, gee, I'm not going to do that. Well, that means you stay in the prison. That means you can't possibly have democracy. Very similar, huh? Those are Clark Nutcrack and very assertive, too. So they're at a low altitude. This is not their preferred um, seed-eating habitat. It's a whole vertical kilometer lower. But um, truth and function. So we got the heart beating again. Now we have 10% because we're talking about getting... Well, everybody knows that uh, money corrupts, right? So why is it so difficult to fix that? And all these other things, like we just talked about down under. Now, um, what's the health of Australian democracy? Not much better. So they have universal voting. Just let me throw that in. I uh, would very much support that. And uh, But right at the top of the very simple ballot would be the checkbox no viable alternative. In other words, you just check no. That any of the uh, things that are on the ballot, you don't want any of them because you don't think any of them are um, adequate or true or whatever. Say like you wanted to put somebody in office that was really going to do something about uh, uh, racism in the world or war or climate crisis. And you looked on the list of... Uh, uh, candidates, and you say, well, I just know that none of them are going to do anything. So you put at the top, no, no viable alternative. And I just imagine what that would be. <laughs> uh, 
and you're required to vote, right? Well, then what would you do? So say you got, uh, you have 100 votes and 77 of them said no. Well, that would be truth and function in action. We got a problem here. So if you have a majority that says no, you have to start over again and work out what the problem is. And not this collusion or plain false that we have worldwide of saying one thing and doing another, projecting one thing and in the back room they're doing something else. So all of these obvious corruption things, that's all legacy. So forget about the Constitution, it has nothing to do with that, rights or whatever. It's all a radical equality and there has to be, that's the difference with nature and culture, is that culture, a human culture has a tendency to hold on to conflict, the contradiction. In my view, that's our defining feature, but only in ignorance. Up here at the school, Kairos will demonstrate that a different way of being is possible. So you have to demonstrate it. Right? It's like climbing the mountain without oxygen. That's our third one. We're going to come back to that. You demonstrate that it's possible. You play that Bach sonata that everybody said couldn't be played. And then all of a sudden it's true, it's there. So now we're getting low stratus clouds and it's going to get cold. So it's, uh, we better enter into the tail end of this Dakota. So we have truth and function, our heartbeat. Democracy is dead. So up here, we want something true. And there's a vital relationship between democracy, truth, and freedom. Why? See, the Chinese haven't quite figured this one out yet. That you have to be able to free, you have to be, have the freedom to die to the contradiction, to the past that Buddhism or Christianity is not everything what it's put up to be, right? It can cause just as much harm, much more harm than we're aware and willing to see. So you have to be willing to die to the past. That's why time isn't relevant. And that's why that freedom, the eagle of freedom, we'll call it the carcass nutcracker of freedom, freedom to and freedom from. And only when the two wings are in perfect balance does the carcass nutcracker soar. So freedom to and freedom from, that's that pollution of corruption especially, that um, 
destroys the common ground of democracy. So in North America, it should be obvious. One man, one woman, one vote. So all of these corrupting things have to be radically stopped. No money, public money for elections, full stop. The election period, radically limited. Three, four weeks, that's all it takes. So that means no input, no commercials, no nothing. Now you see how I'm saying it. I'm saying it in a muscular, yang way. Because in America, that we assume that that's the very opposite. If somebody's telling you not to do something, that's all we've seen as the opposite of freedom. That's why, like I say, America is destroying not just itself, but the entire planet by a false idea of freedom. Let's get up here. Now, is that true? Don't take my word for it. Just turn on the damn television, social machine, and just look at what people are talking about. Oh, look at this arch. Beautiful. Now, is that true? Destroying itself by a false idea of freedom. Well, as long as that false idea of freedom is there, you cannot possibly... You see, they're all interrelated. That's why I chose the three. Just like any good doctor, any doctor, any nurse will tell you, well, yeah, the pulse and the oxygen and the breathing, they're all one in some sense. And we can't do without either one. So this breath of democracy is the eagle of freedom. And it should make us proud because we have the freedom to actually do it, and we're not. The only thing we look at is these statistics of, of voting, which are very distortive. And if we move to the Australian system, there are other countries that do that too, that 100% uh, turnout. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> 77%, what did we say? Voted no. Oh, good God. we got to start the whole thing over again. Well, that would be good, too. That's real democracy. That's what the Chinese have to learn. Not that we're the ones that can help them understand. So all of these freedom from, the corruption of money, the corruption of these antiquated corrupting systems that were put in there to corrupt in the beginning, we're looking at largely needles here. They fall off very easily. Beautiful color. Together with the ponderosa, they keep their needles. Here's a schooler's willow, named for John Schoolier. Look at there, this, these are dead branches. I hadn't seen that. This is a male there. They have two houses, dioecious, so the male and female trees are separate from each other, but resonant with each other, always close together. This is the only willow here. There are many different willows. I'm a student of willows, but not a very good one, that uh, grows in dry habitat. John Schoolier was a young uh, Scottish hippie that came over to the Northwest 1825-26 with David Douglas. So, Eagle of Freedom, 
So the electoral college, that sounds like a very, no, that's all of that BS has to go. And obviously the people that benefit from that aren't going to do it. This two-party nonsense, that all has to go. It's a circle. Go to Holland, there's a party for everything. Uh, let's see, freedom from, ah, yeah, term limits. Well, five minutes, I don't know <laughs> That these people that make a, um, that's a very corrupting thing, the temptation to become corrupt. If you've been doing the same thing for 30 years, especially if money is involved. Whoa. <laughs> Well, maybe that has to do with our oxygen level. All of these things are limits. What's the proper age? Well, I'm of such a vintage that I can remember, yeah, with uh, Vietnam. Gee, it's not quite right to send people over there to get killed for absolutely. What's war good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> if they can't vote, huh? That was the problem, the contradiction with the African-Americans. They got that in world. Gee, we can't really do that, can we? You send them over and they all get killed, but you you don't let them vote. Well, that doesn't quite... That's, that's what philosophy is about. You see the contradictions, and if you have freedom from the past, you change that. So that is truth and function at a low level, but it's still truth and function. So I came out here because I wanted to see the uh, black uh, cottonwoods. They're also what you call dioecious, dioecious, so ecology, um, economics, household. So two houses, um, magnificent colors, this golden yellow vibrant with Oregon blue sky. Well, so, uh, you, the earlier people get started, kids get started with this, the better. So we have obligatory, that's an ugly word, compulsory, that's even uglier, universal, there it is, um, voting. And the, we, what we have now with the corruption is that everything is made as difficult as possible deliberately because they don't want you to vote. Because they want to hold on to their not just power, but corruption that makes that power possible. And you see, if you have the two guns, then once you're in there, baby, you, <laughs> you just, uh, uh, like you have to wreak havoc. And that is a battle cry. When you call out to the groups, Havoc, boys! Then you go and you rape, you pillage, you take and destroy. That's how these people are. <laughs> and some of them now, because of the lack of norms, do it very in your face. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. So it has to stop. You can't possibly fix democracy. So the patient is on the table, right? It needs rest. And it needs to recover. And first and foremost, we need to understand why the heart stopped. 
why the breathing is stopped, why the oxygen is below 90 and going lower and lower and lower. And it's tremendously exciting work to do because it's in everything. In a family, in a dance company, in an orchestra, in a group of scientists studying climate or maybe even white bark pines. And notice if you start thinking it through, oh, oh what happened to organize? It's not an organized. And as soon as you leave the geometry of circle, what happens? Pyramids. That's a key mistake of Western culture at its very worst and most violent and ugly. So other cultures see that instantly if they're not of that tradition. In music, it's obvious. The orchestra with the, um, the classical conductor, the controlling metaphor, and I'll end with that, is the general with his troops, and it is a his. And now to have a her general, is that? No, that's not liberation, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is a general? And it's this whole thing about the world is divided into the controller and the controlled, the thinker and the thought, the gun and the one who's going to be shot. That has no place in the circle of dialogue, in the geometry of democracy. No place whatsoever. And notice the Constitution or whatever, uh, that is not going to be helpful. If you need a new Constitution, you need a, <laughs> You have to be simple. That's not the primary thing. The primary thing always comes back to this wider, unknowable circle of the ground of truth. One man, one woman, one tree, one bird, one vote, the rights of nature, democracy, freedom, truth. How to say whether a democracy is alive or dead? Well, I hope we can come together and bring it back to life. So let me end with that uh, info, Marshall. I'm looking for volunteers for a new energy collective based on the ethics of nonviolence, zero waste, and dialogue. We'll demonstrate that a different way of being is possible. Once a school for the teachers of teachers in creative design is aligned with a revolution, 
of thinking in consciousness. Low salary. Long years of hard work guaranteed. Success uncertain. Open to all who are willing to give their undivided energy. Well, the sun just came out. Keep the spirits up, brothers and sisters. It's a tremendous opportunity what's happening right now in the world. Thanks for listening. Let's make the best of it. This is Cliff signing off for picture-poems.com and the circle in the square. Ciao for now.